The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gems. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, August 26th is moments away. But before we do this, let's thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. That's correct. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. That's correct. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show, along with every Ben Jarofsky show since the podcast's inception back in February 2019, is brought to you by our dear friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Let me tell you about voting by mail pretty cool. Voting by mail ensures equitable access for everyone. Normally, vote by mail applications are filled out online or in person. This creates a burden for people with limited access to transportation or internet services. Disproportionately, the elderly or people of color who are among those at greatest risk from COVID-19. Because of the pandemic, a law was passed in Illinois for November requiring vote by mail applications be sent to anyone who voted in 2018, 2019, or the 2020 primary. This falls short of what is needed particularly since these elections saw low turnout. We need to expand access. Mail-in voting is the best way to ensure everyone's voice can be heard safely. We can help expand voting access in Chicagoland by asking officials to send every eligible voter a vote-by-mail application. So visit VoteMailChicago.com. That's VoteMailChicago.com for call scripts and a petition. One more time. Vote. V-O-T-E. Mail. M-A-I-L. Chicago. C-H-I-C-A-G-O. Dot com to make sure that every voter in Cook County has safe and equitable polling. That's correct. Let's get it started here. Let's, uh, let's just hit the ground running. And Ben Jarofsky, give us a song of the day, please. 
Well, you know, D, I'm happy you asked. Uh, I had to get up early today. I had to do a run a little errand. Very early start of the day for me, even before you were up, young man. Wow. And uh, while I was driving around doing my errands, I heard the great Jackie Wilson. So I think I'm going to just sing a little Jackie Wilson, and I want everybody to join with me. One, two. Your love keeps lifting me higher. Yeah, and I have been lifted before. Come on, D, sing. Love lifted higher. <laughs> Uh, do you know that song? No. Okay. Well, whatever. It was a long time ago, so don't worry about it. Disappointed. Didn't get a, a good uh, near, near, near riff at the end oh, of I'm that. Oh, sorry. One. Well, it's not. Okay, hold on. Sorry, man. I got t- distracted. Your love keeps lifting me. How wow, wow. That's like Ernie Isley suddenly shows up to play a little wow, wow. <laughs> Ernie Isley never played with Jackie Wilson, but whatever. Let's just. Have him in the studio. Seriously. uh, Unions, thank you for sponsoring us. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Wednesday, August 26th, and live from my apartment in Ben's attic, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today in the program, we're talking all things conventions, Democratic, Republican, with legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson. And now your host, an attendee of the recent Chicago Bulls convention. <laughs> I've been to them. Oh, no, embarrassing. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Stupid Day Wednesday, and here's why. It was America's Stupid Night at the Republican Convention last night. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, every day is America's Stupid Day for the Republican Party because they think we're really stupid. Well, you make a very good point. Even if you didn't make it, I just made it for myself. But uh, but last night, folks, let me just tell you, it was a particularly strong effort by the Trumpsters. It's as though the MAGA hatters were diabolical scientists in their little laboratories conducting some giant social experiment. How much BS can they cram down America's collective throats before we throw it all up? Get it in there. Open up. Have you, were you working on your sound effects during your vacation? Yes. I can tell. When I was driving today, I was doing, I'm going to do sound effects. I'm gonna, that's the jaws being opened up. That's the stupid being thrown out our throats. And now we slam, shut the jaws. And they swallow. America swallows it and goes, hey, makes sense to me. Anyway, where were Oh, yes, Melania. Oh, hold on. Who Hello? is that? Hold on. Hello? Oh, sorry, wrong number. Hmm. Uh, ah, the joys of doing a show in an attic. You know, it never happens at BEZ, D. They never have a phone just randomly ring. I don't even know where the phone is. It's like some ancient phone that still exists in my house. And if it did, they could probably get content out of it because it's probably a listener wanting to talk about stuff. That's probably just some solicitor. WBEZ. Oh, it's interesting. How ironic. A phone rang. And it's an old phone. Anyway, back to Melania. I'm going to forget WBZ for the moment. Back to Melania and her speech last night. All right. Now, 
her goal was to give a speech at the White House humanizing Donald Trump. And she said, hmm, I will now read the quote, D. And I will not do it in a Melania accent uh, because I do not have a Melania imitation. I'm just going to read it straight up. Do you have a Melania imitation, D? I'm Melania. Wait, now my phone's off the hook. Hold on. Hello? Oh, oh my Lord. <laughs> Are you okay? Uh, we'll, add it, we'll add it all that out for the podcast. Sure. Uh, no, we're not. Ah, let's throw it in there. Anyway, here's Melania. <clears throat> Quote, whether you like it or not, you always know what he's thinking. And that is because he's an authentic person who loves this country and its people and wants to continue to make it better. He wants nothing more than for this country to prosper. And he doesn't waste time playing politics. Oh, my God. An authentic person is one of the biggest con artists in the history of America. And she's calling him an authentic. And she knows it. As she says it, because she knows what he's been up to. She knows what a scoundrel Donald John Trump is up to. After all, he had one of his lackeys make love to her while he stood by and watched. Wait a minute, D, my mistake. Wrong Republican sex scandal. Whoa. That was Jerry Falwell Jr. By the way, I have a mini obsession. I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit this, D. A little ashamed to admit it. I have a mini obsession with the ongoing Jerry Falwell Jr. sex scandal. I know you're above it, D, and you don't want to talk about it, and you're always doing your best to uplift the standards in our show. Every pre-show meeting begins with Dennis going... I do not want to hear one word about the Jerry Falwell Jr. sex scandal, the one in which he had the pool boy make love to his wife while he stood there and watched. Don't mention the pool boy. So I go, okay. Sounds like a movie on Cinemax after 1030. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's, it's unfolding in real time as we speak. All oh, those Republicans, they're a wild bunch behind closed doors. Anyway, that was the wrong sex scandal. I apologize, Donald Trump. I really do. I, I send out my apologies to Donald Trump. He was in a different uh, sex scandal. He was the one where he paid off the stripper to keep her quiet about the low-rent rendezvous that they had uh, shortly after Melania gave birth to uh, Barron. Remember that sex scandal, D? Uh, and, of course, that's she didn't mention the accusation of rape made against Donald Trump by E. Jean Carroll. I will never uh, hesitate to remind you folks of that. Uh, and uh, that is a, a case still making its way through court. Uh, so what Melania did yesterday was enabling on a colossal scale. I think it was even greater than the enabling that Hillary did for Bill Clinton, which is something Republicans have a lot to say about as they try to strip Hillary Clinton of anything resembling sincerity and to proclaim her as a phony. But not one word about Donald and Melania. Oh, they worship Melania. And here's where they think you're really stupid, uh, America. It's like, what do you care about what the spouse has to say? Be it Hillary Clinton when it was Bill Clinton or Michelle Obama when it was Barack Obama or Laura Bush when it was George Bush or now Melania with Donald Trump. What does the spouse matter? Why do you try to like substitute the love for the spouse and like that somehow or other makes the president look better? Well, I really like the first lady, so I guess I kind of like the husband. Nobody will ever criticize a first lady. You ever notice that, D? Never say it's off limits. They're all like, I don't know, it's this kind of weird, weird mind game that Americans play. This 
part of our stupidity. We put them on pedestals, like to these wonderful human beings. We love them. We may criticize the policies of the presidents, but we love the first ladies. And we admire, you know, like they read a book. Oh, my God. The first lady read a book. Wow, she's so smart. Or the first lady, look at her dress. She dressed so wonderful. And who am I to say anything about the way a person dresses? You know, I'm not the most well-dressed person in the world. You're used to that. And you, I'm looking at you right now, D. You're not that well-dressed either. Hey. With the Beavis and Butthead shirt. So I'm not going to say anything about what Melania was wearing last night, but the obsession that we have with the first ladies and how they dress and the books they read and the movies they see and the teas they have, it's like humanizes their wretched policies of their husband. In this case, really wretched policies of Donald Trump. So her job last night, Dee, with her White House speech was to express empathy for the families of the thousands and thousands of Americans who've been killed by COVID. It's empathy that her husband, Donald John Trump, who is in a position to do something about COVID, has never shown on the grounds that, one, he thinks COVID is a hoax. Two, he thinks it is an attempt by Democrats to sabotage his administration. And three, he thinks it's some kind of invasion engineered by the Chinese, which he successfully defeated by curtailing flights from China so that it doesn't really exist. Number and those three. People, <laughs> a, little slow, yeah, you know, buddy. a little more pre-show update. That's what we need. More pre. Do you think NPR would have allowed that moment to pass without a pre-show? Huh? Do you think NPR? Data said, all right, here's what you do. When I uh, get to the part where I say on the grounds that you go number one. Ah, D. That's the. By the way, speaking of mountains, six hundred thousand, D. Huh? Six hundred thousand. Ben Jarofsky show now with over six hundred thousand downloads. That's correct. Yeah. (laughs) NPR is like, well, that's how many downloads (laughs) we get in a month, Ben, or a day. Oh God, the dastardly NPR. And as we speak, Dennis's (laughs) resume is thrown in the garbage from NPR again. I'm just thinking of them because I was driving today and I listened to them and they were saying something was ironic. It's ironic. I'm like, every time I turn on your show, you're saying something's ironic. And then I immediately turned it back uh, to the sports talk where they were talking about last night's no hitter. Love sports talk. D. By the way, that was Uh, that was resume number five. Number five. (laughs) Well, maybe you get a job at the sports talk station. How about that? I'm going to say some nice things about them. They were talking. The velocity on his curveball is amazing. Anyway, where was I? Every now and then I would listen to the hard rock station, man. They play. Well, it was run down. Whipping post. Anyway, back to Donnie. So Donnie says that he defeated COVID by curtailing immigration from China, keeping planes from flying here. So I guess that's his way of saying none of this really happened. The people didn't really die. Even if Melania is saying that she feels sorry for them for dying. So you see how stupid they think you are, America? She says she feels sorry for the families, even if he doesn't even acknowledge that the deaths existed. It's like two separate things they want you to believe at the same time. And they know you'll do it because you're just so in love with Melania and whatever outfit she was wearing and whoever she hangs out with because you love first ladies. 
By the way, meanwhile, her speech was at the White House uh, in front of an audience because Trump is incapable, again, of acknowledging that COVID is a real thing. The Democrats didn't have audiences. They did away with it. Uh, but no, they had an audience. I didn't see any. I didn't see any masks. Uh, I don't know if there were. Donnie wasn't wearing one, that's for sure. So, you know, that's what you would call, D, a mixed message. We've been critical of Lori Lightfoot uh, about mixed messages, D. Yeah, I think we're the only outlet in the world that uh, is critical of Democrats and Republicans. You notice that, D? That may be why we're in an attic overlooking an alley in a porta potty. Anyway, Lori Lightfoot's filled with mixed messages with her handling of the COVID, like, you know, she closed the beaches but opened the libraries. But I think the one last night where Melania is showing her empathy uh, for the thousands who died, even though Donald Trump won't admit that they died and nobody's wearing a mask, is the greatest mixed mix message of all. Hey, they think you're stupid, folks. That's a lot of stupid for you to swallow, but they got pride in you. One other thing they did yesterday, I don't know if you saw this, Dave. They staged this uh, immigration uh, naturalization citizenship service. That's what I'm thinking of, in which a group of immigrants, people of color, were uh, turned into citizens by Donald John Trump. He presided over it. And uh, so this is, by the way, they were all people of color, as I said. So this is the same president who has spent the last, what is it, five years demeaning, maligning uh, immigrants of color calling them thugs and rapists and telling you to be scared, very scared, just like he tells white people to be scared, very scared of black people. But that was that. That was the last five years. This was empathy night. So he's swearing them in as if, as if he really welcomes them to America, as if he just doesn't think they're props that he's using at the moment, at one moment, despite what Melania says. She says he's an authentic person who loves this country. Oh, he's so pathetic. He spent five years trashing immigrants, uh, particularly immigrants of color. And now, like in one 10 minute ceremony, he wants you to believe that he loves them. But, you know, folks, one thing about Donald Trump, he is incapable of playing the empathy card for too long. And I'm surprised he got through that ceremony uh, yesterday. So I'm sure it'll be back to the old hammering. The immigrants, demonizing the immigrants, telling you to be scared, very scared, because, folks, it's all about a very central strategy for Donald Trump to win re-election. Forget the popular vote. He didn't win it last time. He'll lose by even more this time. His pollsters know that. Fall back on the electoral map strategy, which he wins pretty much every state he won last time by demonizing the hell out of blacks and immigrants and pretending that the pandemic is a hoax. By suppressing the black vote in key cities like Milwaukee, Detroit, Philly, and so forth. And so by the time November rolls around, Empathy Night will have been long forgotten. You know, I don't even think Americans are dumb enough to fall for it. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson. He's fired up. I talked to him when I was driving around today. He is fired up. Got a whole laundry list of things. To you talk. were pulled we were over, right? You, were, you weren't driving and talking at the same time, were you? I was, but oh, in my defense, my in my defense, the phone was not in my hands. Okay, D? Okay. Two hands on All the right. wheel. All, All right. right. All right. That's good. That's in my de- And then I did pull over when I had to write down all the great things he wanted to talk about. He's fired up. I think he's going to do a little talk about... Uh, Oh, Intel, the Senate hearings. A lot of stuff happened, by the way, because we weren't here last week. Uh, 
So he's going to catch up with the Democratic convention, the Republican convention, uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. I know he has a thing or two to say about that. So a lot of political talk with Monroe Anderson. But before we do that, young man from all, the man that Milano. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. you were going to you, you combine in Melania with Donald. You're going to say Milanold. It's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, Milanold. The two of them together, they agree. They agree that he's best known as Dr. D with the news. Hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, vote blue, no matter who. Play the radio. Make sure the television, the, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night. The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words. No matter who. You got to vote blue, ladies and gentlemen. Okay? So the guys got mixed up about a record player. All right? Give him a break. At least he didn't pay the cabin boy to watch him have sex with his wife. Like, oh wait, sorry. That's not Donald Trump. Getting who did your, that, D. You're getting your sex scandals mixed up again. I'm getting my sex scandals mixed up, D. Yeah. Dang, I hate when that happens. Come on. Wrong sex scandal. He was, Trump was the stripper. Falwell is the pool boy. All right? I got it. Let me write that down. Trump, stripper, Falwell, Cool boy. He's got it, it, D. Is anybody else picturing Donald Trump as a stripper right now? <laughs> How about the pool boy? You've not commented on it, D. That, that's like so like uh, late 80s, 90s, uh, you know, uh, movie theme. You know what I mean? The pool boy. <laughs> No, uh, the cabana guy. Hey, how about a drink? <laughs> I love it when you dress up as the pool boy. All right, let's find anyway, out. What, let's find out what's happening ahead. in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. No public events scheduled for our Illinois Governor J.B. Pritzker. Big problems become big problems <laughs> when you let small problems sit. And you know the governor yeah. must have seen a big problem brewing with our state's handling of the coronavirus pandemic, because yesterday during his COVID nineteen press briefing, J.B. Pritzker laid out a few new pandemic guidelines, guidelines, including new rules on face coverings. We talked about this yesterday at the end of the program, but in case you missed it, Governor J.B. Pritzker issued a new set of guidelines for bars and restaurants on Tuesday that require patrons to keep their masks over their mouths and noses during all interactions with wait staff and other food service worker. That's including but not limited to when employees take patrons orders, deliver food and beverages and service tables. This is all according to the Illinois Department of Public Health. And yes, I will be Doing delivery for a few more months, apparently. Uh, the new guidelines go into effect today and also apply to other places that serve food, including museums, entertainment venues, and indoor recreational facilities. And bad news for our listeners in Will and Kankakee counties. Governor Pritzker also declared a red alert Tuesday for Will and Kankakee counties due to rising COVID-19 testing positivity rates. Uh, here's the quote from Pritzker. Quote, this is a red alert for everyone who works and lives here, and it demands a renewed effort to slow the spread of COVID-19. Indoor dining and bar services are banned in Will and Kankakee counties uh, beginning today. And as three state senators from the far south suburban region slammed what they viewed as an inconsistent state response, Governor Pritzker acknowledged the lighter restrictions that he imposed a week earlier on the similarly uh, <laughs> similarly resurgent downstate Metro East region. He said that they were a, quote, mistake. All right. Now, let's follow this, ladies and gentlemen. This is politics. I got to give the Republicans credit on this one. 
I mean, in, in their own slick, evil way, they act, scored a political point. So for the last, what is it? I'm losing track of time. At least three months, the Republican Party in the state of Illinois, led by Darren Bailey, who's their new leader, uh, if symbolic, if only symbolically, have been denouncing Governor Pritzker for uh, being a tyrant and forcing the state to uh, take precautions in the face of the COVID that are unnecessary. And uh, big boy Darren Bailey wouldn't even wear a mask when he was uh, at the General Assembly meeting, if you recall. He, we, he doesn't, we don't need a mask. This is made up. I think he tire. called it hogwash, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. He just thought of that. There was no pre-show prep on that one. That was pretty good. Yeah, who's, he called it hogwash. Who's going to wash those hogs? Yeah, someone's got to. So anyway, it's worked. As, uh, by the way, the Ben Jarofsky Show has a downstate correspondent. We sent a downstate correspondent downstate. Who's that? To see. Well, get, wait, hold on now. I'll get to it. To see how downstaters are responding and reacting to J.B. Pritzker. And our downstate correspondent, who's known by the name of Dr. D, oh. came back and reported. It's you! Came back and reported. Oh, it's not working. They hate Pritzker downstate. Ah, it's There's a shit Pritz- show, I think I said. Pritzker sucks signs or everywhere you go, people making a point and not wearing their masks. Okay, this is because the Republican Party has successfully rallied the people downstate into thinking that Pritzker's an evil tyrant because he wants to protect them from this horrible disease. So as a result, Pritzker, in a move that I would not have recommended, but why would he listen to me? I'm just some guy in my attic overlooking the porta potty. Pritzker issued backed off he backed off he thought man if i back off a little bit they'll take on the pritzker suck signs by the way d were just downstate so there's still pritzker suck signs everywhere yeah they're 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 all around absolutely oh, well it didn't, it didn't really work it didn't really <laughs> so he backs off so what happens republicans in will county which is the northern part of the state are like uh-huh he likes the people downstate better than he likes us because uh, he's still insisting that we wear masks and stuff. Guys, we're in a freaking pandemic. You're supposed to wear masks. Mixed messages. So they're playing two games at what? Look, pretty slick move. I think it was State Senator Sue Resin. Wasn't the one that Heidi uh, ran against? Yeah, I think that's the one that Heidi Henry ran against. I could be wrong in that one. Heidi Henry's probably listening and uh, or will be listening to the, hey, Heidi. Uh, the podcast. What's up, Heidi? Heartland Mamas. Uh, so anyway, they are outraged uh, and they're just, they think that Pritzker likes the Metro East area, Alton, better than he likes them. <laughs> Uh, it's so bizarre. They're getting away with it. It's dutifully written up in my bright one today. They're outraged. They wrote a letter. Uh, Jim Durkin weighed in, too. Uh, there are, every Republican in the state is outraged because uh, Pritzker apparently favors the downstate people over the upstate people, which is so bizarre. But, JB, that's what happens when you worry about those signs. You got to do what you think is right and not be concerned with what down, what kind of signs downstaters put on their lawns. And downstaters, I don't know if you knew this about JB, but. And for the record, I love puppies. <laughs> he loves puppies, guys. He Come on. Puppies. Yeah. But by the way, do people downstate like the Eagles? <clears throat> yeah, people downstate like the Eagles. Absolutely. Like the Eagles? Absolutely. Well, downstate, he loves the Eagles, ladies and gentlemen. Down, did you know that? <laughs> he loves Come on. them. Loves the and Steve. Do they like Steve Miller downstate? Absolutely. Big Steve Miller oh. fans. There you go. 
See, you got a lot in common downstate. Darren Bailey, you got a lot in common with JP. By the way, uh, our ongoing debate since uh, we've been doing the show, uh, I was downstate uh, about a week ago, heard uh, quite a bit of Jimmy Buffett. Just saying. <laughs> Just saying. No, I didn't hear. I heard no Bruce Springsteen. None. Okay. Well, you were hanging out with people who like Jimmy Buffett. This is a raging debate. That's Dennis and I have been having for three years. We be we have this debate all the time. I say Bruce Springsteen's more popular downstate uh, than Jimmy Buffett. Dennis says nope. Jimmy Buffett is more popular than Bruce. And then here's the funny thing, and I have to concede this point. I've never even been downstate, and yet I have an opinion about it. See, here's the thing about it: if you have a talk show, you have to have an opinion about everything. You can't say I don't know. You gotta have an opinion. So. Yeah, oh, come on, D. You know, and when we had Bob Diver on, put him in the hot seat. You remember how he handled it? Yeah, we'll yeah. Dodge a little lot oh, for you, Bobby oh, D, yeah. huh? He knows how important that debate is. He can't tell, you know, he can't pick one side there. You know, he's a politician, he all right? He goes, well, I think, to try to win Dennis over, I think Jimmy Buffett's probably more uh, popular, but I love Bruce Springsteen. Uh, well done, Robert Diver. In, in other statewide news, everybody is talking about this week's Republican National Convention. We've been talking about it. In fact, it's the subject of today's show, Stupid Day Wednesday. <laughs> right? I mean, we're talking about it. Illinois Republican yeah. politicians are talking about it as well. And not only that, it looks like our friends of the conservative persuasion in Illinois are realizing something 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 that myself ben jarofsky and every single one of our listeners could have told these folks a long long time ago yet you guys only cater to white people (laughs) the following comes from the chicago tribune and rick pearson illinois republicans facing the tug of appealing to their base and the pull of trying to grow acknowledge the need to reach out to hispanics and blacks on tuesday as part of their second day events tied to the republican national convention but a conversation on gop outreach hosted on facebook by the illinois republican party turned introspective with the admission that the party needs to do more to encourage support among minority communities Jesus Solorio, who faces an uphill challenge to Democratic U.S. Representative Jesus Chuy Garcia in the West and Southwest Sides 4th Congressional District, said Republicans, quote, have to start having honest conversations and be willing to go into these communities. Once we start doing that, once we start being more actively involved in these communities and not afraid to talk to communities across the state, then we could start changing that narrative that Republicans are, you know, a bunch of white racists, whatever, which is not <laughs> the case. Say that? Yeah. Wait, he actually said that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your thoughts, please. Wait, did he add, which is not the case? Yeah. Oh. Well, I have to disagree with him. I think it is the case. I think that's how Trump got elected. I urge everybody to read Cast, C-A-S-T-E. I can't stop talking about it. Isabel Wilkerson's great new book. It talks about uh, how Donald Trump successfully manipulated uh, the racial attitudes of white people in this country to get elected, their fears of black people, their fears of immigrants. I mean, he's been playing this card since 2015. Every time a black person does anything that's controversial, uh, Colin Kaepernick, Donald Trump denounces him. He denounces strongly any black politician that criticizes him. He makes up names for them. He mocks them. He taunts them. He maligns them. Uh, when people are shot in the city of Chicago, he holds it up as like a, a banner to say, oh, look how look how dysfunctional the city of Chicago. It doesn't do anything to help anybody. Just wants to take advantage of our pain and trauma. 
So, yeah, of course you have a problem with outreach because your entire enterprise is set up on the notion that white people should be afraid of black people and Hispanic immigrants from the get go. I mean, this dude that's running against Chuy Garcia, you talk about a, a tough a tough hill to climb. Donald Trump from the get go was demonizing immigrants who come from the southern border. That was his strategy from the get go. The wall is on the Mexican border, folks. It's not on the Canadian border. So everybody knows what games he's playing. If you're gonna if you're gonna try to reach out to black voters, you gotta completely drop the strategy that got you elected in the first place. And you have to start, like engage in real issues that matter to people. You know, I listened to all the, the speakers they had uh, at the convention, like the Tim Scott uh, and black speakers who were trying to appeal uh, to white. Uh, it was like an appeal made to white people. It wasn't an appeal made to black people. It was like an attempt to assure white people that voting for Donald Trump does not mean they're racist. But there was no appeal to black people. So, yeah, I, I don't even I don't know how they're having an honest discussion about it. If you're going to have an honest discussion about it, they have to have a discussion about why they've signed on to a white supremacist campaign. Why have they embraced Trumpism? Why are they so cowardly and afraid to stand up to Donald Trump when he is so openly and blatantly racist? So, yeah, there's there's your honest discussion, which, of course, wasn't it. Never had. It's fun. I, I've had this conversation so many times in the show. The, it's like Donald Trump knows he'll never get my vote, my lefty vote. But what they'll attempt to do sometime is to just get me so cynical about how the Democratic Party continually sells out its lefty values or it's new deal values. I call it new deal values. And Babs will put it on my Facebook wall and all my lefty listeners will tell me, Ben, Nancy Pelosi has sold you out. Joe Biden has sold you out. So that may get me in a moment of real nihilism to consider not voting for the Democrat, but I would never vote for Donald Trump. The point is he's not offering me anything to get my vote. All he's doing is trying to turn me against the Democrats. And that's all he does with black voters as well. He's not offering them anything to get their vote. At best, he's offering them like a nihilistic version of the world to get them not to vote at all. All right. And we do have an update on this story here. Uh, George, well, the following comes from WBBM and it's posted on CapitalFacts.com. Go check out Capital Facts, F-A-X, like a fax machine. Great source for Illinois news. All right. Greg Pearson, Will County Republican chairman, told a live stream that the state GOP has helped launch the Illinois Black Republican Coalition. He and other black party leaders uh, mean for this to be a working group for people who believe in free enterprise, school choice and self Reliance. Uh, Bremen Township GOP committeeman Kevin Suggs said black Republicans will combine their expertise to, in his words, turn Illinois around. He said the Illinois Black Republican Coalition will be an alliance of people who share values like entrepreneurship and educational excellence. Uh, we have a quote here from Suggs. Suggs said, quote, this is not just something we are redoing or retooling, recreating. This is something that we believe in that we are going to make happen and we have the right people at the right time and are going to let the past go. We are going to move forward in saying, uh, hey, w what are the key plans and steps we need to take 
to turn Illinois around. Uh, it says here uh, the Illinois Black Republican Coalition will supposedly be launched next month. It has no website and no Facebook page. <laughs> All right. What, what a bunch of BS. That's the same old line they've been feeding people for years. That is total regurgitation of everything they've been saying going back to the days of Jack Kemp. Huh. Don't even, I, that was in the 80s, so just forget I even mentioned him. Free enterprise. What a joke. The Republican Party, just to remind you, in the state of Illinois, led by Bruce Rauner, the, that supposedly believes a free enterprise, as in free, had signed on to give Amazon over $2 billion of your money. Over, We don't even know how much, because they kept it a secret, to get them to come here. What was free about that? What was free enterprise about turning over over $2 billion plus prize? Take your pick of the prize land in the city of Chicago. Free enterprise, folks, does not exist in the Republican Party. They only want poor people. You're poor, you're broke, you have nothing going for you. But America's a great country and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps if you believe in free enterprise. Meanwhile, for all the other fat cats, we're giving out handouts from the TIFF jelly bean jar. Or no, Tom Tresser would call it the mayonnaise jar. G, sorry about that. Do your Tom Tresser imitation. Come on, I'm not man. doing the Tom Tresser uh, imitation. That's a great Tom Tresser. Tommy, you know, you know Tiffs are crazy. You know, it's uh, it's real crazy. It's like a mayonnaise jar. <laughs> Loved it. Anyway, there's no such thing as free enterprise. You know, black people know it. They see like when you try to get a nurse in a Chicago public school. It's like all of Civic Chicago, corporate Chicago, the editorial boards. The oh, they're broke. We have no money. Dastardly oh, teachers. They want nurses in schools. But then, you know, Lincoln Yard, there you go. 1.3 billion. D, Ice Cube said it. I, I know you're like, man, two days in a row you're where Ice Cube said it. He goes, yeah, it's usually me. It's usually me bringing up Ice Cube. I read his, this interview where he, he got political. Ice Cube, the rapper, movie producer, movie star, guy's worth a fortune. So, you know, he's every bit much of an entrepreneur as Donald John Trump. He's more successful than Donald John Trump. So he said it. He goes, stop talking about deficits and help people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> people don't believe in the deficits because whenever it suits the Republicans to spend money on something stupid that nobody wants, there's no deficit. Schmefficits. There you go. Two billion. Take it, Bezos. So nobody falls for the free enterprise line anymore, Republicans, except for rich people who love the tax breaks that you're giving them. And then they tell the poor people, pull yourself up for your bootstraps like I did. Well, you actually inherited money from your father. Ah, well, like I think I did. Ever notice, D, no matter how wealthy someone is, they always had a poor upbringing. Like, I talk to people, they'll say, I go, where are you from? They go, oh, I'm from Winnetka. Oh, okay, Winnetka. But I'm from the poor side of Winnetka. I'm like, I didn't even know there was a poor side of Winnetka. Everybody wants to be, like, self-made in this country. I don't know anybody who did it on their own, by the way. There's a great story. I know I'm getting ahead of myself about Willie Wilson in Chicago Magazine. It talks about how Ray Kroc gave him a break. Ray Kroc, the gazillionaire that owned McDonald's. Nobody did it on their own, even Willie, who started off really poor. Had to have some help along the way. So this is no free enterprise. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Shut up. We're not going to give you anything, but join us anyway. Hmm, okay, there's a great strategy. So, yes, I would say, Republicans, you got to work on your... I know you don't care about me, a lefty. 
I know you don't care. But you say you care about ordinary black people and ordinary Hispanic people. So got to work on that pitch a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Ben Jarofsky, you're a Segway master, sir, because on to the news in the city of Chicago. Uh, ben, you were just mentioning the uh, article from Willie Wilson. Let's talk about that a bit. But before we do that, let's go back into time here. Let's go back to the political back alley brawl, also known as the 2019 Chicago mayoral election. At one point, we had over 20 candidates in this race, and one of those candidates recently featured in Chicago Magazine, now running for Senate to unseat Dickie D. Dick Durbin. He's been a reoccurring guest on our program. He likes giving his money away in unorthodox fashions. And if you ever doubt him, he will be quick to tell you that you sign the back of the checks <laughs> and he signs the front. Yes, it's former mayoral candidate Dr. <laughs> Willie Wilson. Willie Wilson sat down for an interview with Chicago Magazine as a part of a political profile piece. Like Ben said, it's a great read. Go check it out if you get some time. But Wilson said something in this piece that I would like to bring to your attention, Ben Jaromsky. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you followed Willie Wilson's mayoral run at all, you knew that he was not a fan of runoff candidate Tony Pede, Tony Preckwinkle. He was very vocal about this on several occasions throughout his campaign, and when it came down to the last two candidates in the runoff, he put his endorsement behind the eventual winner, now Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Lightfoot has uh, now been mayor for about a year and a half, and in his interview with Chicago Magazine, Willie Wilson shared his thoughts on the mayor's tenure thus far. Shout out to Kim Brooks of Chicago Magazine. She did a great job on this. Uh, Kim Brooks writes, uh, when I asked Wilson how he came to the decision to endorse Lightfoot instead of Preckwinkle, his Machiavellian candor startled me. (laughs) Awesome. That's a good line. Go ahead. She did a great job. This is a good story. Willie Wilson said, quote, I could have gone either way, but Lori was new. I figured she needed me more and that she'd be more grateful for my support. Then he added, unfortunately, so far, I've been disappointed. Ben, does this come to a a surprise to you at all? I mean, there was the time when Lori Lightfoot accused him of requesting millions of dollars from the city and up front uh, to buy protective masks. But does it surprise you at all? No, none of it surprises me. Uh, First of all, his Machiavellian candor doesn't surprise me. I okay. let me just say this. I love Willie Wilson. You know it, D. How many times has he been on the show? Hasn't been on in a while, but he's been on the show many times. And But the reality is this. Willie Wilson and I, it's sort of like Raylo and me. We don't see eye to eye on anything. Willie Wilson's a Republican. You know, and one of the great interviews we ever had was when uh, Willie Wilson happened to be in the studio the same time Monroe was in there. Remember that one? Mm-hmm. And Monroe called, that's the Republican in you talking. And so Willie Wilson's a Republican. He voted for Trump. He's pals with Rauner. Browner tried to throw him under the bus, by the way, uh, which I thought was unfair. Uh, and But Willie Wilson is very Machiavellian. What didn't mention the story is that the political brains behind Willie Wilson is our old dear friend Ricky Hendon. Ricky Hendon is the one who gets Willie on the, on the ballot and knocks other people off so that he has a clear path. I, I haven't talked to Ricky in a long time, uh, so I don't know if he and Willie Wilson are working together t- still. But... Ricky, and you cannot talk about Willie Wilson's success in politics, whatever success he's had, without giving a lot of sh- a huge shout out to Ricky Hendon. So Willie Wilson is a Republican who's supported by uh, Democratic strategist Ricky Hendon. So, yes, it's Machiavellian. It's very Machiavellian. And uh, he is not ashamed to admit it. So when it comes to uh, why he supported Lori over Tony, he said, yeah, 
I thought I'd have an in with Lori because she needed my support more than Tony did. Well, <laughs> what Lori Lightfoot has shown right now uh, is that she recognizes that her approval rating is very high in, in Chicago, particularly on the north side where they love her uh, with undiminished fervor. And so she doesn't need Willie Wilson. And Willie Wilson to her, I don't know. I don't know what she thinks of Willie Wilson. Maybe she think, is embarrassed by him uh, because he's a Republican. Who knows? So, yeah, I'm not surprised that she's ignoring him. Uh, I, Lori Lightfoot is not afraid uh, to alienate people. And um, she's not paid a political price for it. Because as I said before, D, she's exceedingly popular in the city of Chicago. It's as though she's been mayor forever. That's how Chicagoans are. They love tough mayors. And now they're embracing Lori, just like they embrace Rahm and embrace Daly. So, yeah, Willie, uh, you made a, a Machiavellian tactical decision, not based on anything other than you thought you'd have more access didn't wasn't based on whether you thought she was going to do the job well, whether her ideology matched yours, uh, whether she was better equipped to handle the situation. No, it was like, I think I'll, she'll need me more than Tony will. And I'll have more access. Well, prove wrong. So that's how it goes in politics, Willie. So, yeah, I appreciate uh, his candor, uh, Dennis, but I am not at all surprised, not at all surprised. All right. Uh, that, that Lori Lightfoot has slammed the door shut on because he is, one more time, a Republican. All right. And I asked you this a few months ago, and your response was, uh, I don't know. Well, let's gauge it now. How do you think Willie Wilson's going to fare out in this Senate race against old Dickie D? Uh, was that my response the last time? You, you know what? You have an advantage on me. On I could never re- remember what I said the day before. So you could said anything. You could have absolutely said anything. I, would well, I, I believe the exact quote was, his ass is grass? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think, oh, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Durbin's going to win. I think Durbin's going to win hands up. But it was, you know what? This this article, maybe, how oh, is a great story. It was really well written. Kim, we got to get Kim Brooks on her. D, she's a good friend of yours, isn't she? No. Oh, never, never met her. Never met her in my life. It was funny, folks. That's a little inside joke. Before the show, uh, in our pre-show prep, show this show nothing but pre-show prep it's like five minutes before we go in the air right, what do you got d uh i go do you know kim brooks and he goes no why would i know kim? i go well you I, I don't know i just assume millennials everybody knows each other anyway we should get her on it was an excellent article all so right. maybe it'll help, but I don't see it happening. I see a strong democratic vote in November. People Democrats hate, hate, hate Donald John Trump, and they want to vote, vote, vote against him. Uh, and the fact that Willie Wilson uh, voted for him in 2016 is going to hurt him. And uh, I don't even know. Is he definitely on the ballot? He's been challenged. I don't know if he's you know, we should call up Ricky Hendon and find out. But uh, anyway, so uh, I do not think he has a chance to beat uh, Durbin uh, in November. All right. And just like our Illinois governor, no public events scheduled today for our Chicago mayor. I won't just turn the car around. I'm going <laughs> to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out and I'm going to make you walk home. Yeah. No public event scheduled for Chicago. Wait, what? I, 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 you know, we were on vacation last week. So I forgot that tape, which, by the way, hearing it brings <laughs> one more time. Help me out, D. What was she alluding to in that bit? Uh, once again, uh, people 19 to 25 who are ignoring the covid uh, response. Got it. 
And then they were going out drinking and then getting in their car and driving. I got it. Okay. But it doesn't matter because it's just a funny clip. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Sorry, man. Oh, God. <laughs> Sorry. Once again, no public event scheduled for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, but she may be on Indeed.com for the next few weeks because she has a handful of administration changes to tend to. Uh, first off, her security chief has resigned. His name is Jim Smith. And his excuse for resigning has become one that makes you feel a little suspicious. It really shouldn't, but when you live in Illinois, the land of greasy politicians, you can't help it. Jim Smith's excuse for resigning as Lightfoot's head of security, he wanted to spend more time with his family. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. According to Lightfoot's office, Chicago Police Sergeant Tom Finnegan has been appointed as the interim head of the mayor's security detail while a search begins for a permanent replacement. Uh, Real quick, here's a quote uh, that did not age well from Jim Smith, if that is his real name. Uh, This was before the damn dirty coronavirus ruined everything. Uh, While on an evergreen podcast, Smith was asked whether the St. Patrick's Day parade would be canceled due to the coronavirus. His response, Smith said, quote, We're not canceling any parade for some crazy virus. We'll make sure we'll be careful of the kissing and hugging, but we'll be fine. Obviously, it was canceled short after. Time out. Is that real or did you just make that up? Why would I make that up? Yes, it's real. I don't know because it's really funny. He actually said that? I forgot that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whatever article I read, it wasn't quoted. We read different articles about this. Uh, yeah, he was the guy. I think he's with uh, Secret Service, if my memory is correct. And there was a bit of a controversy when Lori Lightfoot uh, hired him. And yeah, you know, Dean, let me just say this. It's true what you say. Uh, the whole excuse about um, going to spend more time with your family has become an inside joke. I remember when my dear friend, Mick Dumkey, uh, told me that he no longer wanted to do First Tuesday anymore. He was burnt out on the whole operation. He just wanted to uh, take not have to deal with it. And so I wrote a column about it for the reader and I had a little fun with it. I go, uh, Mick has decided uh, <laughs> not to do First Tuesday anymore because he wants to spend more time with his family. Yeah, I thought it was funny. Anyway, um, I could see why everyone in the state of Illinois is cynical. Uh, Danny Solis, if you recall, the alderman, uh, former alderman of the 25th Ward, when he stepped down, I believe it was, good God, time has flown, uh, in like November of 2018, something like that, when he announced that he was not going to run for re-election. He said he wanted to spend more time with his grandkids. I wanted, oh, no, that's Cullerton. He so at least wanted to spend more time with his family. And Mayor Rahm goes, oh, I can appreciate that. What a great contribution he's made to the city of Chicago. And he's earned the right to go spend more time with his family. And God bless you, Danny. And then a couple months later, what do we find out, D? He's been wearing a wire for the feds and secretly recording conversations with Ed Burke, where they talked about shaking down TIF recipients. Speaking of free enterprise. Remember that discussion a little while ago? Free enterprise. Yeah, it's free. It's because the taxpayers are paying for it. That's why it's free. Anyway, so, yeah, I could see why you'd be very cynical about spending more time with your family. But I don't know. Jim Smith, you know. It probably is what to spend more time. Come on, D, stop being so cynical. Well, that is the excuse old John Cullerton used to step down. You still believe that? Yes. <laughs> 
What a sucker. Everybody makes fun of me. Back in the old days, at the uh, we were at the Sun-Times, Dennis would like go up to, uh, you know, the, the hardened, cynical, cigarette-smoking political reporters at the Sun-Times, and they go, hey, Ben believes that John Cullerton really wants to spend more time with their family. And they'd be like, <laughs> and then they would start coughing because they smoked so many cigarettes. <laughs> You know we got to go back there, right? Eventually. Oh yeah, sorry about that. I didn't name names. Oh god, I can't believe he believes that. I'm cynical. I'm a reporter. I'm gonna smoke another cigarette. All right. Uh, moving on here. Mayor Lightfoot has also fired her cannabis coordinator. That's right. Cannabis coordinator Paul Stewart was fired earlier this week. Uh, Lightfoot spokesman Pat Mullane said, "Quote." Mr. Stewart is no longer an employee at the mayor's office. As this is a personnel matter, we will not be commenting any further. So there's that. No, exp- no explanation why they fired him. In a brief interview, Stewart declined to say why he was let go, but said Lightfoot has, quote, the right to move in whatever direction she wants to. The sudden unexplained firing has also raised eyebrows in City Hall, as Stewart was well-liked by many colleagues. You know, Ben Jarofsky, call me crazy, but this has all the ingredients for some speculation on a podcast. So let's speculate any reason as to why Lightfoot fired her cannabis coordinator. Also, did you know she even had a cannabis coordinator? Yeah, no, I didn't know he had a cannabis. You know, he's, you know my favorite part is how he's well-liked in the city hall. Yeah, because he's passing out the doobies. Oh I got plenty of it, man. Free samples in Stewart's office. Oh, wow. I really like the guy. Plus, he had edibles. No wonder they like them. They got these M&Ms here, man. Oh, whoa, they blew your mind. I don't know why they fired them. I'm sure it had something to do with something that went wrong, and they had to blame someone. Uh, let's fire him. You know, they, <laughs> she's got to fire some. Remember, oh, my Eddie Johnson. Remember, D? Fired yeah. Eddie Johnson. I still I, I still feel he was unjustly treated. That's how it goes in politics. Do you know that? And he's right. When you do something, and you don't even know what you do, you may irritate the all-powerful mayor. She or he has the right to fire you. You know, that's just the way. Remember they fired, uh, Maya was all over this. Uh, who was it, the spokesperson for the building department? I can't remember his name. Frank, out there. I know it, it was, uh, I didn't know the guy, but Maya knew him and kind of liked him. Uh, she fired him, blamed him for this, that, the other thing. I can't remember. He's like... Something embarrassing happens, fire somebody. There we go. That takes care of that, you know? I won't just turn the car around. I'm going to shut it off. I'm going to kick you out, and I'm going to make you walk home. I hope she didn't do that to Stuart. Like, just took him, drove him down to, like, you know, Indiana. Get out. That's it. Get out. Walk home. Oh, hey, throw me back some of those gummies. (laughs) I just want to say he's the most popular guy in City Hall. All of them are like, I hope the new guy is as generous with the free samples as this guy was. I just picture them all in City Hall in like a big giant circle. Hey, could you uh, coordinate that joint over uh, to the left a little bit, please? Let me hit that. You know, those uh, Zoom meetings they have. By the way, Dave Glowatz will be with us in about a week breaking down the last Zoom meeting. Dave Glowatz was camping last week. He was camping probably Indulging if I know Dave Glowatz. Oh, my. Oh, oh, wow. You know what I'm saying, D? Huh? Yeah. Uh, uh, Dave Glowatz smokes pot. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> Do not say that. I, that's what you were Blythe. saying. Ring, ring. Maybe I was suggesting it. And, you know, uh, hopefully this time when he comes on, you can take notes on how to uh, pitch audio <laughs> on, a, on a show. That'd be great. All right. Here we go. Uh, Dennis, uh, play. Uh, 
pulse to it. <laughs> it always works. I'm like, God, he's good. God, I want to do that that way. I get it. Damn. And I'm like, D, play that thing, man. Yeah. Damn. Stewart was a key advisor on marijuana issues. He previously worked in the police department on projects related to, to the consent decree. And according to Ben Jarofsky, he brought pot to city council. <laughs> All right. Uh, I did not say that, ladies. <laughs> I may have suggested it. And finally, since we're talking about reefer, the 2020 <laughs> Cannabis Cup is here. Oh, yeah. The High Times <laughs> Cannabis Cup is the world's leading marijuana competition. Good Lord. Founded in Amsterdam in 1988 by former High Times director or editor Steve Hager, the Cannabis Cup has evolved into a globally recognized championship of the best cannabis products in the world. A blind competition judged by industry experts, the competition ranks entries as measured by the judges' votes and crowns the top three products per category with the top spot earning the coveted cannabis cup trophy <laughs> yes pandemic going on but we got to have these pot competitions all right oh my god and i guess since marijuana is now legal in the state of illinois we get to join the festivities as well the following comes from the chicago sun times and who else Tommy, Tommy? two joined Shuba. Yes. He's all over that story. Dozens of eager pot enthusiasts swarmed a Logan Square dispensary Tuesday, hoping to get a chance to judge the dopest dope. Tommy, two joints. He got a million of them. The dopest dope Illinois has to offer as the (laughs) state's first ever high times cannabis cup kicked off. Unlike previous iterations of the competition, which have boasted uh, raucous parties and celebrity judges like Snoop Dogg and Ben, your favorite, Tommy Chong, Chong. (laughs) homegrown Kush connoisseurs will vote on the winners from the comfort of their own homes. By late morning, a line was already stretching down Milwaukee Avenue, uh, the only Chicago uh, outside Mocha, modern cannabis. That's the only Chicago store selling kits of pre-selected pot products submitted for consideration. Yes, you get to be a judge. Regular people just get to smoke pot and judge it. For one judge, the contest offers a welcome respite from the uh, from whatever followed COVID-19 shutdown. Here's a quote from one of the judge. Her name's Amanda. By the way, uh, Amanda didn't want her last name revealed in this article. Uh, Amanda says, quote, why? It's legal. I don't know. Maybe she wants a a job or something. I don't know. Uh, The quote says, if it's the only activity that we really can do during this period, it sounded like a good event to get involved in. Uh, She says it's something to do uh, when everything else is kind of canceled right now. So there you are. Ben, the cannabis cup coming back. Were you in line yesterday to be a judge? Uh, I, I no. I haven't smoked reefer since 1980, or was it 81? I can't remember because I was high at the time, D. Uh, let me just say this about that, not to rain on everybody's cannabis parade. Cannabis is still illegal federally. Uh, it uh, You go to jail for it on a federal level. It's screwing up the industry, makes it hard uh, to get banking. And the industry is dominated by and large uh, by well-to-do white people. And this is a frequent theme on our show as we bring on, this gets back to the point of what the Republican Party is can or cannot do uh, for black people. We bring on many uh, 
black entrepreneurs who are looking to get their license can't get their license bureaucrat bureaucracy red tape somehow or other they have not the state has not gotten around to doling out the licenses so for years and years and years black people were arrested for stuff that white people did all the time they joked about it they laughed about it uh and they acted as though they were they realized that they would never ever get busted for smoking reefer Okay, they did it out in the open. There was that peace festival or reefer day, whatever they called it, that they would have. And all the millennials would gather down on the lakefront and be smoking reefer like crazy. Not a bust in sight. Lollapalooza, year after year, nothing but reefer smoke everywhere. That was like a, oh, a big moneymaker for Chicago. Hey, meanwhile, black people were arrested on the west side, south side all the time for marijuana. The utter hypocrisy of the way marijuana is treated in this country still disgusts me, D. So yes, while I enjoy hearing Tommy Chong's name mentioned, just the mention of his name just gets a little smile on my face. I love Cheese and Chong. And yes, I do love Snoop Dogg, particularly his new commercials he's doing for Corona Beer. I don't know if you've seen that. Uh, I have to say, that the hypocrisy still surrounding marijuana is disgusting. And uh, there you go, Republicans. You want to do something? Just make a small move to uh, win over black voters? Why don't you address this obvious inequity in our criminal justice system in which black people are locked up for doing something that white people get away with all the time? Just say it. You want to take that first step? Donald Trump left Blago out of jail. He was so proud of it. He's still patting himself on the back. He let, like uh, the woman in Tennessee. So, okay, if you're going to let those two people out, it's like criminal justice reform, but only for friends of Donald Trump or only for people that Kim Kardashian uh, recommends. So why don't you try it like at all? Systematic, wide, wide range. And maybe you can win over some votes. Anyway, D, I don't want to rain on their parade. God bless you guys. Have fun with the reefer trophy. But there's still a lot of hypocrisy on this subject. All right. And, uh, Frank, it's nice to know you still got it, buddy. Bill McCaffrey was his name, Ben. Man, thank you, Frank. That is correct. Bill McCaffrey. Yes, they're excellent. By the way, oh, D, <clears throat> I what? have a correction to make from yesterday's show. Mm. Okay. My beloved bright one. Had a story in here. Can I can I take this moment to make this correction? What's the name of the uh, show again? Oh yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, I will take that. Uh, we talked yesterday about Bruce Rauner and all the homes he has. Okay, yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think he's still. I'm not sure which one he sold, which one he has. Well, you, I'm gonna reveal a little something. Dennis was reading a the internet version of the story, which of course I don't see because. I only read a newspaper. Today's bright one had the actual column by Mark Brown, great political columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times. And uh, in, in it, he, he notes that the Rounders sold their home in Winnetka last year. Mm -hmm. Okay, D? Mm -hmm. uh, although they still maintain a condo overlooking Millennium Park, a New York penthouse, and ranches in... <laughs> Sorry, in Montana and Wyoming. This is rich, okay? Plus that place in Key Largo where he's now voting. Now, here's the interesting thing. I read Mark Brown notes that Bruce Rauner has switched his voting address to Key Largo. But Bruce Rauner's wife still maintains a voting address in Illinois. What do you think about that, D? Huh? <laughs> I want you to get to the bottom of that. And Mark Brown a very cynical political uh, uh, observer, 
says it may be that uh, the one-term governor is trying to take advantage of uh, more uh, what uh, nicer tax laws in uh, Florida. So he's trying to save a little money on taxes. And so he declares he's living, his voting uh, address is in Key Largo. He pays less in taxes. But what about his wife? If she still is in Chicago, D, I'm confused. Hmm. Don't they file a joint tax return? So doesn't she have to pay Illinois taxes? D, could you do a little digging and get back to me on that one? Yeah, I will. So wait, you're implying that Bruce Rauner is still greasy? Yes, that's what I'm implying. Whoa. I actually have that article pulled up here from uh, Mark Brown right now. You forgot to mention this part. Uh, Mark Brown puts, uh, Bruce Rauner only can run up Cricket Hill 10 times. What a wimp. (laughs) Oh, Mark Brown. He loves that Cricket Hill. He loves Cricket Hill. 15 15 times he ran up it. Remember that? He put that in the column. Yeah, I could do 15. Ramon and I spent 15 minutes analyzing. Oh, do you think he actually did 15? I don't know. So there you are, everybody. That's the local news. Uh, let's go to the live stream chat real quick here. Uh, okay. Shout out to our good friend, Radio Doogie. Doogie, you're the man. We appreciate you listening. You're awesome. What else can I say here? Uh, He asked a good question here, kind of out of the blue, but it's fun to talk about. Doogie asks, will Illinois ever get a governor who isn't rich? (laughs) Uh, Great question. We had one. Pat Quinn was not rich. I mean, he was had more money than I did, but I mean, that's not saying anything. Uh, So he wasn't rich. Uh, Blago wasn't rich. You know, this this phenomenon of rich governors is relatively new. Uh, Jim Thompson was well off, yes, by the end of his career. But I don't think he was rich when he was governor. So this is a new phenomenon of rich governors in the state of Illinois. And I think it's going to be around for a while, D, because I think J.B. Pritzker will be around for a while. There you are. Uh, Pat Quinn was not so rich and was governor. And who knows? Uh when we'll ever see a broke ass governor, I guess. All never. right. You will never see a broke ass governor. Okay. It's <laughs> just not going to see some, although again, now that I think about Blago was is pretty close to a broke ass. That's why he was so worried about it. Selling off the Senate seat and everything, you know, that'd be great so. though. A broke ass governor. All right, we're going to get this press conference going, but before we get started, does anybody have $5 I could borrow? <laughs> anybody, anybody, maybe, maybe five of you have $1. I promise to pay you back tomorrow. Okay, promise. That's like me at the, when I in junior high. A guy would go, "Hey man, give me a quarter." Uh, okay, yeah, I need to borrow a quarter. And I come back and like, "Uh, sir, I lent you a quarter yesterday. Uh, can I have it back?" Uh, <laughs> that was not a really technically alone. I was just sort of extorting the quarter from you. Oh, I didn't know. All right, everybody, feel free to weigh in. Feel free to weigh in on the live stream chat if you're listening live. And make sure to follow us online if you've yet to at Benny J Show, B E N N Y, the letter J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can send us an email, Benny J Show at gmail.com. Send us an email and uh, who knows, we may read it. And also, you can call our program. It's true. 708-658-4788. That number again, 708-658-4788. 
All right, everybody, don't go anywhere. When we come back after this break, the one, the only, the legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson is going to be talking all things conventions, the Republican convention, the Democratic convention, and maybe a convention he went to before. Who knows? Stick around. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in Ben's attic. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Rediscover our fascinating city this summer on a walking tour from the Chicago Architecture Center, now open and adhering to public health safety standards. Our entertaining and expertly trained docents will guide you through the Chicago you've been longing to explore, from magnificent downtown architecture to awe-inspiring neighborhood gyms. If it's worth seeing, we'll take you there. Get tickets at architecture.com. 
city.org forward slash tours. The stories of the city begin at the CAC. of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Uh, every Wednesday in the Ben Jarofsky show, it's Monroe Anderson Day. Uh, Monroe Anderson's been coming on my show since I've had a show, and we talk Trump, 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 and more Trump. We were doing it before the pandemic when he actually came into the studio. Then every now and then he would say, you know, I don't feel like coming into the studio today. I'll call in. And we're now doing it uh, in the age of the pandemic. And I'm through Google Meet. And I'm looking at Monroe, who's looking very dapper, I must say, uh, sitting in his study, which lined with books. And Monroe, uh, first of all, you look very well. I haven't seen you in a week. You look excellent, young man. And I heard you did a Tai Chi class today. No wonder you have that special, vibrant, youthful glow. Oh, I, I'm at peace in a, in, in a troublesome time. <laughs> Monroe, that's a good place to be. Uh, I'm joking now, but it's going. The conversation is going to take a turn very sober. Monroe uh, always posts uh, about his appearance on the show on his Facebook feed, where which he then then goes to engage in hand-to-hand combat with various dim-witted Trump supporters. Uh, the the news that he reports uh, has to do with the shootings that took place at Kenosha Monroe. I'm going to read to you. You posted this, and we'll talk about it, what went down. Uh, Donald Trump finally getting the race war uh, that he's been inching for. A 17-year-old boy is in police custody. I'm reading from uh, CBS News. Monroe sent me this article. A 17-year-old boy is in police custody in North Suburban Lake County, charged as a fugitive in connection with a shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, that left two people dead and another wounded. The boy was arrested Wednesday in Antioch on a warrant from Kenosha, charged with being a fugitive from justice, is being held in the Lake County Juvenile Detention Center. Uh, According to the Associated Press, the suspect was arrested on suspicion of first degree intentional murder. Uh, And there's a photo of him holding a uh, a rifle. The shooting took place around 1145 Tuesday night near 63rd Street and Sheridan Road in Kenosha amid a third night of unrest following the police shooting of 29 year old Jacob Blake. Social media videos captured a young man armed with a rifle shot and killed at least excuse me. Social media videos captured a young man armed with a rifle uh, shoot and kill at least two people overnight in Kenosha and wounded a third. The incident was captured in a series of videos on social media which show the gunman opening fire on a crowded street and then walking past police responding to the scene without being taken into custody. Some people living in Kenosha are leaving the city after escalating violence, riots, and looting. Police are still searching for the killer who opened fire Tuesday. Wow. Sobering news, Monroe. You and I, uh, it's easy for us for, uh, to crack wise about Donald Trump because he's such a buffoon and he's such an obvious con man and he's such a dis- 
despicable human being that there's almost a funny edge to him. But we have been commenting, and you have been saying this for three years, that Donald Trump has been intentionally stirring up uh, racial hostilities in the country from the moment he uh, announced he was running for president nonstop. And and down the escalator. Since he came down the escalator, and now it's come down to this. What are your general thoughts about this, Monroe? I think Donald Trump right now is the most dangerous man in the world. He, um, he is second-handedly responsible for 180,000 American deaths. Just because, but just the way he has mishandled the uh, coronavirus pandemic. And we literally just crossed, that's another breaking news thing. We literally now have 180,000 deaths. And he's still acting as if the virus doesn't exist. Mm. I mean, uh, Melania last night was the first person in this Republican convention that even mentioned the virus. Nobody else has mentioned it. Yeah. You know, so it's not going on. It's, and today, um, the CDC announced that they're going to cut back on testing. They, just because you're exposed to someone um, with the virus, if, um, if you're um, asymptomatic, then um, you don't have to get tested, they say. This is obviously the influence of Trump who has said that um, we should cut back on testing because that will cut back on the number of deaths mm-hmm. and confirmed cases. Uh, so it's, it's sort of like um, you have cancer, but you don't go to the doctor, and therefore the doctor doesn't have tell you you have cancer. Then you don't have cancer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this gets at that curious contradiction that I was talking about when the show opened, Monroe, or last night, Melania, they trotted her out to give a speech, and I already talked about this. I, I, I'm very cynical and jaded when it comes to first ladies giving speeches to sort of humanize the uh, policies of their husbands. I don't know. I don't know what a, the spouse matters. Uh, Unless there's an obvious conflict of interest that has to be addressed. I don't even know why they, I know why they do it, but I. I, Spouse matters because, although not so much in Trump and Melania's case, I I think, but the spouse matters because they have more influence on that man, whoever the president is, than anybody else because they sleep with him every night. And they, they have an intimate relationship. And so they have their influence. Um, and so you have to listen. To, you, you need to listen to hear what's on the spouse. You think of, of Nancy Reagan, just as an example. That's a good point. So they, they count, but, but you, I mean, you can't take it as a gospel because obviously they are pitching for their job too. You know, they first lady's a job. And so that is, that's actually a, a, I have to give you credit. That is a good point. And I, I had not thought of that, uh, that you're when you listen to the first lady, uh, you're actually listening to someone or the first man. One day we'll have a woman. Uh, well, um, yeah, yeah. It, well, 
Oh my God. I'm just thinking of the first man that was elected last time. And I'm really having my issues with him these days. You know, I'm struggling with Bill Clinton, Monroe. I'm really struggling with Bill Clinton these days. What a con man uh, he is. But you're right. You're absolutely correct. Uh, they, they have not, but I don't believe Melania. Monroe, I do not believe Melania and Donald Trump have anything resembling an ordinary marriage. No, no they don't. No, they have a business arrangement. Yes. In fact, there have been reports mm-hmm. that um, the reason it took her, I don't know if I've said this on your show before, but the reason it took her so long to get to Washington, remember she was staying on Fifth Avenue in, in the castle in the sky? Yes. And her excuse was uh, she wanted to let Barron finish whatever year in school he was in. Mm-hmm. But the rumor is that she was negotiating with Trump for a better uh, noop noop than she had. Yes. I, yeah, that's... I, a higher amount of money. Yes, prenup, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, no, that, uh, that was reported, uh, the negotiation... <laughs> You're right. It's so cold hearted. It's so cold hearted. And then it goes back to Trump having sex with the stripper uh, right. like a couple of weeks after Melania gave birth to, to Baron. Right. Right. They're still right. married. Right. And she had the nerve last night to say this. I mean, he's such a fraud and a phony and he's such a con man. And she was like, well, you know. He's authentic. That was her. her, Here's her exact one. Whether you like it or not, you always know what he's thinking. And that is because he's an authentic person who loves this country and its people. Man, Donald Trump doesn't love anybody except for himself. And and, and Ivanka. Yeah, well, (laughs) that's that's some weird stuff right there. By the way, that's some weird stuff. There's a lot of kinky stuff. Uh, right. Going on with Republicans. Let's let's move on to the next. I'm going to read uh, Monroe's uh, what he wrote on his um, uh, Facebook wall. The Senate uh, Intel Committee report that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russians. Got to talk about that. The president is trying to steal the election again, this time using the Postal Service. Got to talk about that. The sleepy, creepy Republican convention resembles a liar's club of America's Zoom session. And meanwhile, the super pious Jerry Falwell's sexual perversion is watching his wife screw the pool boy. Man, I got to admit, I'm a a little too obsessed with that story. That is some sleazy stuff. But let's talk about this line you got. The sleepy, creepy Republican convention resembles a liar's club of America's Zoom session. What do you mean by that? Everybody, literally, everybody who has talked during this convention, lies. They have one lie or another. For example, um, the president's um, Cinderella daughter, Tiffany, mm-hmm. who she is so far out of the mix when it comes to his children. She, she, um, she, she goes on and talks about what a wonderful father he is and what a wonderful this Wonderful that. And as she spoke, I could hear dollar size. The cashier right? she go, ching, 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 ching. Because he, he doesn't have anything to do with her because she's a party girl. And plus, she's a, um, what did they used to call them? When, when, when women would intentionally get pregnant to make a man marry her. Back in the old days. Uh, I've, 
I don't know where you're going with this one, Monroe. No, no, no. no the thing is, okay, no, uh, her, her mother mm-hmm. was dating Donald. I see. And got pregnant. Mm. Oh, I see and what you're saying. Well, yeah, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. That it's a, it's a, one of what it might be a shotgun wedding or something. But anyway, he never because she wasn't foreign, and she wasn't a um, an official beauty queen of some sort or another. Um, Trump never loved her the way he has, although he didn't love the, the first wife or the third that much either. But uh, well, uh, some of the uh, Marvel Maples. Yes, it? Yeah. I remember. I remember yeah. that stuff from the eighties and nineties. Uh, some of the speakers uh, that uh, I think it was Monday night in particular uh, was when they brought out uh, their black supporters right. uh, in a very concerted and last, effort. Yeah. And last to, night was Women's Night, but okay. Well, last yeah. night was, so it was yeah. a concerted effort to convince. Uh, swing voters in Wisconsin and Michigan, the only states they really care about. They couldn't care less about uh, Illinois because of the Electoral College. Uh, but right. to convince swing voters that they would not be racist if they vote for Donald Trump. Because maybe right. their their concern is that somebody might have a, like a shred of conscience. Uh, right. Even though everybody knows that the guy is blatantly appeal, appealing to our worst instincts, Monroe, uh, if you could bring in a black guy to say what a wonderful human being he is, that will assure them uh, that he is a wonderful human being. Yeah. You must go ahead. What what happened was after the murder of, of, of George Floyd, um, a lot of white people had, had an awakening. Oh my God, the cops really are racist. And so 70% of Americans um, thought that Black Lives Matter was a civil rights movement and they approved of it. The polling, they were getting 70% polling. Mm -hmm. That's beginning to, among white people, that's beginning to recede now because um, George Floyd's murder was. Oh, you know, also so old two months ago. Old, so now they're not as committed to it. Plus, they're disturbed by the rioting that's going on. Although it's not happening in their towns or anything, but just the idea. So Trump sees an opportunity to pull some of these people back who were upset and. Um, so they can go back to sleep and pretend like um, we don't have a race problem in America anymore. Well, I'm going to read to you a quote from one of the speakers at a Monday's convention. It's a, uh, what's the gentleman's name? Vernon Jones, a black state representative from Georgia. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know you know who he is. <laughs> and and uh, here he is. What's that? He's making a name for himself. Yes, he's making a name for himself. Uh, And he says, quote, I've seen tragic shootings on both sides, officers killing citizens and citizens killing officers in the line of duty. Police officers are our fellow citizens. They have families, too. Unfortunately, Democrats have turned their backs on our brave police officers. They call it defunding, and it's a danger to our cities, our neighborhoods and our children's. Our police need more funding, not less. 
for frequent psychological examinations for non-lethal remote restraint technology and for more de-escalation and use of force training. I'm here to tell you, black voices are becoming more woke and louder than ever. The Democratic Party has become infected with the pandemic of intolerance, bigotry, socialism, and anti-law enforcement bias, and a dangerous tolerance for people who attack others, destroy their property, and terrorize our own communities. That's what this election is all about. That is from Vernon Jones. Your thoughts? Um, he's a, my first thought is he definitely is a dino. This guy has got to be getting something from the Republicans. Uh, contracts, uh, money under the table. Uh, maybe he, 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 he needs love from white folks or something. I'm not sure what it is, but he is repeating Republican talking points. It's not an original. I've seen him in three different interviews, separate interviews at different times. And he um, parrots Republican talking points. I mean, he hasn't even come up with any original thoughts. It's the same thing that uh, Trump and his people are saying. Do you think it's more effective? And that Kanye would be saying, except he's dropped out of the race because he can get enough signatures. (laughs) <laughs> actually kind of had like a slightly different take when he was last speaking I actually you know what I'm saying Monroe he had he had like a different refrain which is so baffling I, I am not even going to attempt to right. try to recreate but you're right this is the longer the longer he was off his meds the, the stranger it got I know yeah um, and I'm not saying that to be funny. I mean, but he's bipolar. Yeah. And he's not taking his medication because it suppresses his creativity. And that's a fact. So most bipolar people, um, they take the med- my, my brother was bipolar. This is how I know this. They take the medication, but then it dulls them so much that they can't stand it. So then they want to get off of it. And when they get off of it, they go back to that other condition at some point. Well, that may explain Kanye West. All right. Uh, I, I, how successful uh, do you think employing people like Jones and Herschel Walker, the football player? I don't know if you saw his uh, his speech. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was listening to, to, to Herschel, and what came to mind to me was, first of all, he wasn't that bright to begin with. And secondly, he took one too many hits to the head while he was playing. Uh, the views and opinions of Monroe Anderson are not necessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Herschel Walker was, so people who may have missed it, he was a great football player in the 80s who signed with Donald Trump's New York franchise in a league that Donald Trump, uh, Donald Trump uh, helped to destroy. Right. Uh, he made a lot of money, Herschel Walker, playing for Donald Trump and has remained uh, loyal to Donald Trump for all these right. years. Right. It's been 30 years, 30 plus years. And he gave a speech where he said it really hurt him in the heart uh, that people would say nasty things about Donald Trump because he knew to. It kind of reminded Melania. Melania's speech. These testimonies are getting. People see what Donald Trump is like. 
Monroe, even his supporters see what he's like. And then you got people like Herschel Walker and Melania who come and tell us what we see is not what we see. Right. It's kind of a, I almost would admire him more if they admitted it. Herschel was from the South and he knows real racism. And Donald's not a racist. That's what he said. Yeah. Yes, that's what he said. Uh, And, all right, so we have this division. On the back of the bus. With the chauffeur. Uh, once again, views and opinions. Monroe, you get away with a lot of stuff there. Uh, all right. We're moving on from Herschel Walker. There's some pretty funny memes, I must say. I told you about one. Uh, I, I saw about Herschel Walker on, on the internet. But I'm sorry, Monroe. I just got to say it one more time. What's, yeah, with um, Stephen. That was his name. Yes. Steve, well, bro, you got to tell that story about, uh, okay, we're really the Django. This is one of the many conversations Monroe and I have. Uh, and we were talking about the character that Samuel Jackson played in Django, uh, where he's the ultimate Uncle Tom, but he runs the man, uh, he runs the plantation. He's the brains of the plantations. It is a bizarre spin. Uh, and uh, it's brilliantly played uh, by Samuel Jackson, but it's a fantasy ultimately because at the end, as you know, uh, Jamie Foxx s- destroys everybody in the plantation, including right. Samuel and, Jackson. And and, to the sunset with his woman. Yes. Who, by the way, is played by Kerry Washington, right. who right. was one of the hosts uh, of the Democratic Convention last week. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, oh, yeah. But he, uh, he was politically active during Obama's run. Yeah. Trump, yeah. Uh, and uh, anyway, so Monroe likes, he was telling me, you appreciate watching the end of Django as opposed to what? The, at the end of 12 Years a Slave. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, 12 Years a Slave was so depressing to me that I had to go back and watch Django again. Where the good guy <laughs> Yeah, Tarantino just rewrites history because what the hell? Why not? He's the movie maker. He did it with the Holocaust. He did it with slavery, and he did it with the Manson murders. Oh, by the way, you're the think, speaking of things that happened while you were, I was on, out of town, the Democratic Convention, yes. I watched quite a bit, chunk of it. I, there's a lot of rewriting of history going on in both conventions. Let's be honest. It's, it's a political uh, spectacle. Okay. Uh, okay, well, what, what did you see being rewritten uh, with the Democrats? Well, all right, I'll give you my thoughts on that. I want to get your thoughts. Uh, the Democrats, and I say this as a guy who's a sucker for Democratic conventions. Yeah. Uh, what they do, which is effective with old lefties like myself, is they hearken back to the values of the Democratic Party that make me want to be a Democrat in the first place. Like yeah. helping each other, the common yeah. good, fostering a government that cares about its people and that looks out for the weakest among us and has Social Security and Medicare and all governmental programs that help people. OK, and they yeah. so they do a good job of proclaiming their dedication uh, to these values or that's oh, yeah, what they do. By the way, Trump 
is going to be Social Security is going to be gone by in, in three years. Uh, just repeat what you said because part of it was obliterated by the train. Go ahead. No, okay. If Trump actually gets reelected, he's going to kill Social Security. It will be gone in three years. Yeah. Like you just you mentioned Social Security. Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct with the payroll, yeah. eradicating the payroll tax. So, yeah. uh, so, but, but then what I realize when I'm so critical of Democrats is that when you put them in charge of cities, they're always kowtowing. They move right, and so they may proclaim their their uh, dedication to these principles, but they're in many cases all too willing. Uh, to sacrifice those principles to make political deals. So that's my criticism of the Democrats. And I realize that the um, the convention is playing on uh, on my greatest hopes. They're they're like tricking me, Monroe. I realize it's happening while it's happening, but I can't help myself. Being being a Star Wars fan, uh, you should know that you're being Jedi mind tricked. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, the thing with the Democratic, from, from my watching it, my perspective, is it's shortcoming the, the, the convention. What they did was they acted as if there was only one branch of government. So they talked about um, getting rid of Trump and how important it was and getting Biden and Harris and how important that was. But they didn't mention the courts which the Republicans already have talked about. Yeah. And that's very important. And they didn't mention the Senate. They they should have um, beat that drum, that we got to take over the Senate. Because even if we get Biden and Harris in, then and Mitch is still in, uh, still has a majority Senate, then they aren't going to get anything done. Yeah, they're not even going to be able to make deals with um, the, the 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 zillionaires that that you uh, you object to. It won't it won't even be up for discussion. You know, yeah, absolutely right. And that see, and that's the other thing. Uh, to, to that point, what the Democrats didn't do in this convention, and uh, David Ferris was our guest the other day on the show, pointed this out. They didn't like really brand the Republican Party. They sort of target Donald Trump, but they don't like they don't go the step beyond Donald Trump and talk about how the entire Republican Party has bought into uh, his worldview. And so, like, the people he puts on the Supreme Court will be their little Stepford wives, their little robots. And the people in the Senate will be the same. And that, I think, is a a disadvantage for the Democrats because they they always hold back Monroe. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Now they just no. They don't. I don't know why they don't play as well as they should. I mean, you know, thank thank God we have um, a Lincoln Project people. We have Republicans fighting Republicans. Exactly. Exactly. Plus, you know, there's a counter convention going on right now. Also, a counter convention. Yeah, with Republicans who have left the party, they're having a convention. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Republican Party is so screwed up. I mean, the reason the reason we um, we can't get um, a package to help the all, all these Americans, these millions of Americans who have been fired or laid mm-hmm. off, 
is because Mitch McConnell has um, the Democrats, the, the House's bill, the, the Heroes bill, I think it's called, um, sitting on his desk, and he hasn't done anything with it. And the reason he hasn't brought it to the floor for a vote is because it would show how divided the Republicans are. There, there are about 20 Republican senators who don't want to give anybody any more money. Yeah. They, they've now decided that we've spent enough money. Plus, their other theory is that you give people $600 a, a, a week in supplement from governments and they won't want to go to work. They just want to go home and be welfare queens. Which is uh, a ridiculous right, uh, assertion right. uh, that the Republicans are making. All right. Uh, you mentioned uh, in your uh, write-up, the Senate Intel Committee's report that the Trump campaign colluded with the Russia in the 2016 presidential election got lost in last week's news cycle. I know you and I have been talking a lot about that last week had I not been on vacation. Just give people a little update on that. What the Senate, the Republican, is a, a, a uh, bipartial committee, but it's Republican-led. And they came to the conclusion that Trump and the Russians, the Trump campaign and the Russians coordinated uh, Trump's campaign with the Russians, with 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 um, with WikiLeaks, uh, Roger Stone, for example. Um, when when the the tape dropped. Uh, with Trump um, talking about how he loved to grab him by the you know what, mm-hmm. then they um, stone call WikiLeaks and says you got to drop um, 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 I forget the pronunciation of his name, um, the chief of staff, Hillary's chief of staff, Pagoli. No, Podesta. Podesta. Podesta, you got to drop the, the Podesta emails because we need an alternate story, and they did it. And so the 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 the, the mainstream media, which um, has, has has it just goes on and you can be led by the nose like a dog with a good stake. They they went on to the next thing instead of sticking with um, the Trump story. And well, you got other things like that. I mean, it was just coordinated. You you uh, have a lot of years of experience in the mainstream media. So let me put it to you: yes. when the mainstream media does that, yes, when the mainstream media follows the leads of the Republican, uh, are they bending over backwards to prove that they are not pro Democrat? Because I don't see Fox changing its beat no, from coming. one day to the next. You know, but the mainstream media, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, you know what I'm saying? The Tribune. No, the Fox Fox and, and Trump have a symbiotic relationship going on right now where um, the, um, Hannity is his, his closet um, chief of staff. They literally talk all hours of the day, and Fox tells Trump through their reports, which he watches. He watches them all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what they think he should be doing and saying, 
and and Hannity calls him, and then Trump tells Hannity and, and Fox what what he, he what he needs reported for a given day. I mean, it's it's it, it is so dangerous what's going on now with him and the right wing. That I mean, we've just got to those of us who love democracy and love America as the idea. We really need to show up in incredible numbers, because even if if it's close, Trump isn't going to leave. He's not going to leave the White House. You believe that? Yes, I do. And this is how he'll do it. What he'll do is because the, the votes aren't going to come in unless we really it's, it's a landslide, mother of all landslides. Mm-hmm. It, it, where so it's, it's it's announced that night that um, Biden has won, and and with the networks and everybody agreeing, but because we're doing a lot of voting by mail, a lot of the results may not come in for two or three weeks afterwards. Trump has already set up a a, a, a premise that if he doesn't win, it's rigged. Mm. <laughs> not convenient. So when he hasn't won two or three weeks after the election, uh, what he's going to do is take it to court. It's going to be in the courts. And and because it's in the courts, one theory that I've heard is that will happen, what will happen then is because it's in the courts and being contested, and it'll drag on and on. And so as we get close to January 20th, what 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 Trump will demand is that um, the um, um, electoral college mm-hmm. vote because they they in, in essence make the demand. But what we have all these these um, battleground states with with Republican governors who will come up with a new slate of electoral voters. Mm. And therefore, he'll win it through the electoral college. Well, you're thinking of every possible way that Donald Trump could steal the election. So really what matters is that it's an overwhelming consensus. And right now, I have to say, I, and this is a reflection of my generation and the things I've grown up with, I'm very much concerned about the backlash, the white backlash, Monroe, you and I have talked about this many times, and I've been extolling the, extolling the virtues of Isabel Wilkerson's new book, Cast, C-A-S-T-E. Yeah. Uh, and she talks about the backlash impact in, Chicago, uh, in uh, national politics. We saw it happen in Chicago with Mayor Washington in 1983 and in, uh, even to a certain degree in 1987. It's yeah. very difficult for white people to, by and large, uh, to confront and to directly, I don't know, deal with sort of the racial inequities uh, that have plagued our country from the outset since 1619. People are so plugged into it, and there's a fear that if black people and their minds get too much, they will lose something. The white people will lose something, and so it's like they want to hold on to it. In Chicago, with Harold Washington, it was it was even more base than that, and it's it was basically because I was active in that, as you know, but it was basically as a general 
uh, but it was basically that they were afraid that we were going to do to them what they had done to us. Yeah. I, mean, just, I mean, just cut them out of everything, just be discriminatory. Just, I mean, they, they, they go from hero to zero from, from their perspective. And that was the fear. Um, yes. Now, uh, what's, what's driving a lot of this white grievance and uh, resentment and et cetera is the year 2040. That's when America projected when America will no longer be a majority white nation. And so in anticipation of that, yeah. you're getting this backlash. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, th- that's, by the way, another theme that Isabel Wilkerson deals with. It's funny you should mention that. She talks about that a couple times in her book. I'm going to close by uh, alluding to this moment that Doc Rivers, I don't know if a lot of sports fans out there, Doc Rivers uh, is the coach of the Los Angeles Clippers, uh, and he's from the Chicago area. He grew up in Maywood and went to Proviso East High School. Uh, I love Doc Rivers dearly as a basketball player and as a coach. And uh, the NBA is having its playoffs right now, but the players are obviously very upset and concerned uh, about what's going on in the country outside of the bubble that they're playing. Uh, right. They were they were thinking of just staging a protest and not playing a game, uh, just to let them know that they were in solidarity uh, with the with uh, Jacob Blake and uh, what went down in Kenosha. Just outraged by the police shooting there. And uh, Doc Rivers was asked to speak about this. Uh, Doc Rivers is a black man, I should say this. Uh, Monroe, I don't know if you saw this piece. It was sent to me, Vincent Norman. I want to give a shout out to Vincent Norman. He sent it to me last night. And uh, Doc Rivers, very upset. He started the press conference. He was wearing a mask and he took it off and he was fighting back the tears. And uh, he said, and I'm quoting, we keep loving this country and this country doesn't love us back. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Now, this the problem is this is 2020. Uh, I have been fighting this battle literally since I was um, 18 years old, on one level or another. And while there has been progress, never in my wildest dreams would I think that I have to still be fighting it because I have sons and a grandson that um, I'm worried about. being negatively impacted because of the racism that still exists. And, oh, and that was really another thing with the Republican convention when Nikki says that um, <laughs> that there's no the, the idea of racism in this country is a lie. It's not true. She's an Indian woman, so she knows. Indian American, yeah. Nikki Haley, former governor of South yeah. Carolina. Right. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, that was uh, quite a moment. Again, uh, just the level of denial that was going on in the Republican Party, and it's their way of saying we're not going to do anything we, to address any of these inequities or to address uh, the attitudes that police officers have about policing in black communities. We're not going to do anything to deal with it, uh, and we still think we can get elected. So it's almost like only the Democrats are going to have to think about it, Monroe. Do you follow me? Only it's like climate change and right. sexual harassment. It's the only issues that Democrats have to think about because the right. Republican Party is just going to ignore it. Right. 
Exactly. So we have got to show up strong. This I've, I've gotten to a point now where, where I'm intolerant of um, anyone who criticizes Biden or Harris or any of these people who we need to take over the government and make sure the Republicans are out of charge. We can have those battles, you know, because none of, none of these people are perfect. So, but, but right now we need to be totally um, in, in, in agreement on getting rid of Trump. And once we have Biden and Harris in office and the Senate and in control of the Senate, then we can have our battles over how far left we should be going. All right, that's as good a place to leave it as any. And uh, Monroe, stay safe and sound. Keep doing that Tai Chi. It's giving right. you that nice uh, glow. You look 30 years younger. When you came on, I'm like, wait, is it 1983? Is that yeah. the, <laughs> that Tai Chi is doing miracles for you? I'm going to start doing it, all right? Yeah, right exactly. And I'm going to go out. I think I'll go out and jog uh, a couple of miles. And uh, come back. <laughs> I can tell you right now, I'm not jogging a couple of miles. Maybe go. We'll go for a walk together. How about that? Exactly. All yeah. right. Okay. All right. I'll so talk I'll... to you next week, Monroe Anderson. All right. Okay. You take care. Okay, Ben. Bye. That that's the legendary Monroe Anderson every Wednesday in the Ben Jarowski Show. What you got for me, D? Before we head out the door, hey, we got some updates here. Uh, hopefully, one of these updates will not be Ben signing up for a Tai Chi class. No, but I called Monroe this morning. His lovely wife, Joy, said he, he can't come to the phone now. He's doing his Tai Chi class. I'm like, I don't even know. I'm what? always the last to know, D. By the way, do you still do yoga? Every night. I was stretching. And then I do my ums. <laughs> he does his ums, guys. COVID-19. You dirty bastard, you. We have more updates on how the city of Chicago plans to move on amid a global pandemic. First, let's talk about Airbnb and other house renting apps. And Ben, unlike literally everything else on the Internet, you're actually familiar with online house renting. Am I right? Well, yes and no. I've never done the dang thing. It's usually other people in my families, but I've stayed out of places. Airbnb. So All I'm right. familiar with it. That, that was but cool. I don't close. I don't have an app. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I know you don't have an app. Today. All right. The following comes from the Chicago Tribune. Sim- uh, single night rentals would be banned in Chicago through Airbnb and other online platforms in an effort backed by Mayor Lori Lightfoot to crack down on, quote, party houses as part of a series of stricter rules governing how the vacation rental business can operate in the city and residents living in denser neighborhoods such as the lakefront areas that aldermen complain get overrun with summer short-term renters would be able to join chicagoans in parts of the city in collecting signatures to try to prohibit vacation rentals from setting up shop in their precincts alderman michelle smith been of what ward 43rd. That's correct. You're a nerd. Alderman <laughs> woman Michelle Smith has been railing for years against the city's inability to bring rental operators to heel. Smith said she would have preferred to restrict the rentals only to people's primary residences since operators who invest in many units for Airbnb where they don't live have less investment in the neighborhood. But Smith said the mayor's ordinance is a good compromise. Single night rentals are currently banned in Chicago because of the coronavirus pandemic. After life for complained about young people not social distancing at big house parties this ordinance would make that prohibition permanent 
Though the Commissioner of Business Affairs and Consumer Protection and the police superintendent could decide to allow them to resume without needing city approval. Airbnb policy advisor Rachel DeLevy-Ore testified at the beginning of Tuesday's meeting, saying the company is cracking down on parties itself by setting age limits for renters. And during the pandemic, the company is limiting the number of people allowed in each unit as well. DeLevy-Ore opposed the permanent single-night booking ban in Chicago, saying doing so is, quote, without merit because a very low percentage of such bookings result in problems. Airbnb spokesman Samuel Randall said the company would continue working with the mayor's office and city council to adopt more effective measures of limited party activity. He said, quote, while we're supportive of Mayor Lightfoot's effort to modernize Chicago's short term rental law, the one night ban is a blunt instrument that blocks legitimate reservations such as business travel to Chicago, hurting the eventual return of the tourism economy, tax revenue and income for responsible Airbnb hosts. Ben Jarofsky, your thoughts. God, I've been hearing this story for a long time. Mayor Rahm loved Airbnb. Yes, he did. Uh, yeah, he loved it dearly, and he wanted to bring it in uh, as much as he could. And they had that little fake phony fight where they pretended like they didn't see eye to eye, and they got pretty much what they wanted. I don't know. That quote right there, that's a PR quote, D. If I was going to teach a PR you notice that while I – I can't remember there. While I really love what Lori's doing, we disagree with this. That's how you do it, folks. You make sure you don't offend her too much or you're like Willie Wilson to tie the show together, D. And exile, or you end up like me and Dennis in the attic and in the apartment. <laughs> and she'll never, you know what I'm saying? She'll never talk to us. You don't want to offend her too much. So you start off by saying, yeah, I really like the overall thrust of the program, it's just this one particular thing that I have objection to. That's how, by the, the maestros, the ma- Stacey Davis-Gates, Chicago Teachers Union, are you paying attention? This is how the maestros and the masters play the game. That's how they play. They say nice things. Make sure you start off by saying something nice about the mayor. Then you can say a little criticism at the end. Nice, then a little criticism. Even if you don't believe the nice part, just say something nice. So Stacey, if you're out there listening, I want you to practice. Say something like, while I really enjoy the brilliance and the intelligence uh, and leadership of our mayor, I have to think it's a bad idea not to have nurses in the public schools. See, that's how you do it? Yeah. And she goes, oh, then she likes you. That's how you do it, D, okay? That's good. That's good. All right. On to the next pandemic problem here. Oh, wait. We got an email. Hold on. Let me see here. It's from Stacy Davis Gates. Oh, it says F off, Ben. I'm not doing that. <laughs> wow. She is listening. S-D-G. All right. On to the next pandemic problem. Eating at restaurants. Sure, there are some restaurants that are able to survive right now by having their patrons eat outside. But what about when it gets colder than hell in the oh, wintertime? Which, by the way, I hate to be a party pooper here, but that's only like three months away. The following <laughs> comes from the Chicago Tribune. Also, the Chicago Tribune really uh, did a good job today. Pulled a lot of stories from the Tribune. Uh, let's see here. The headline. Let me get the headline here real quick. The headline reads from the Chicago Tribune. Chicago launches restaurant design challenge to find solutions to winter outdoor dining. And this comes from Grace Wong. 
All right, so let's read this story here from the Tribune. Restaurant design likely will never be the same in a post-coronavirus world. A key element of, of adapting to rest, uh, restricted customer capacity has been and will continue to be outdoor dining. But as summer quickly slips away, restaurants in Chicago face the question of how to survive without the expanded seating of patios and rooftops. So the city of Chicago is putting on a design challenge in search of a creative solution for winter outdoor dining offering a five thousand dollar cash prize to three winners sounds like the people running the city are just a little exhausted right now like oh you know we're we're, we're pooped here just five thousand bucks someone just think of something please uh, the Winter Design Challenge, announced Tuesday, will run through September 7th and is open to all residents, with three winners to be announced in mid-September. All proposals for in-person outdoor dining must adhere to COVID-19 protocols and guidelines, and designers are asked to consider customers, restaurant workers, construction, trade workers, and all the other jobs associated in making a restaurant tick. The competition is in partnership mm. with IDEO. This is a global design and consulting firm. Uh, also BMO Harris Bank and the Illinois Restaurant Association. The winners are also eligible for corporate funded pilot opportunities to apply their ideas. Ben, are we getting in this contest or what? Yeah, let's go, man. I think you and I should get into this contest. I can't think of anything more unappealing than the thought of sitting down to a delicious chicken dinner <laughs> in the middle of a Chicago winter. But you know what? Let's, I mean, I'm just so jaded. I'm going to, you know, D, I'm going to close by pretending I'm that newscaster. Uh, I'm going to go, Chicago, an innovative idea, eating outdoors in winter. Hey, since night, no, since 2020. Good, good luck, guys. Someone came up with your ID. Someone who hasn't had enough sleep. I know what I'll do. <laughs> I'll come up with a contest. I don't know, guys. This gets really cool. I gotta, I'm going to break it to you. As a guy who's lived in Chicago since 1981. 1981. I'm going to tell you something, D. gets cold in the winter. Yep, I'm breaking it down. <laughs> Even with global warming, it gets cold in the winter. Get slushy and snowy and rainy. It's going to be kind of hard to open up those restaurants outdoors. But I don't know. You know, maybe there's smart people out there in Chicago, D. Maybe they're going to come up with a way to have outdoor dining in the middle of a Chicago winter. I feel the wind howling. Well, there there are those heat lamps. Those help out. Uh, oh, yeah. That'll really help when yeah. it's like zero degrees. You know, you can get some insulation, get the heat lamps there. You can do that. But I guarantee here's what's going to happen. Everybody who's, they're going to send in their ideas and all this, they're going to be disqualified because it won't be all the COVID-19 restrictions. But they're going to take a bunch of ideas, put them together, rip everybody off, and not pay anybody $5,000. <laughs> no way. <laughs> getting that five G's. I got, you know, as soon as the show's over, D, I'm going to get out my crayon and my paper and I'm going to start coming up with a design. Okay, okay sure. Oh, I saw that story in the paper. I, I guess it was a tribute. I started a tribute. I was laughing. I go, man, what a city, Chicago. Oh, that's that Chicago spirit. Roll up our shirt sleeves. Yeah, just, I'm sure they'll find some TIFF money for it somewhere. Just cook up some soup and eat it at home, guys. Yeah, I cook some, some soup. No, I, I feel for the restaurant industry. I, but D, I've, I haven't been to a restaurant in so long. 
So um, anyway, let's close the show with a little positive news. Here's some positive news. Uh, Livestream chat devotee Radio Doogie. He says he has the idea and he's going to uh, do it. He's going to be in the contest. Wow. Hey, man, split the money with us. All right. Yeah, let me get about fifteen hundred. Come on. Yeah, come on. Kick a little money to Ben Jarofsky. All right. This one is uh, congratulate one more time. Uh, Mr. Uh, Giolito from the Chicago White Sox threw a no-hitter last night. I had a chance to talk about how exciting that was. Well, this is a uh, political podcast, so it uh, makes you're sense. Right. But it was so exciting, and Adolfo, El Dragon, and I were texting back and forth. We were so excited. He threw the no-hitter, so go White Sox. All right, a little positive news to end the show. Uh, I want to thank uh, Monroe Anderson. Did an outstanding job, as he always does. And uh, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Lucas Giolito and uh, Jose Obreo and Luis Robert or Robert of the Chicago White Sox will all tell you back home in Alton, they call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and you know it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.